Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday Takes or Takes edition of the show. Kyle, welcome. Best part of the week right here, Joe. Not this week, though. That's actually a lie. Best part of the week this week is what? The best part of the week this week is the TDN Summit. We're special buddies. We're kooky and fun. That's right. The whole group. Everybody. You, me, Ben, Jordan, Trevor, Brad. Jonah can't make it because Jonah's on vacation. Wow. Imagine. Imagine. JC will be there. Paige Demacos. The whole gang. Getting ready to kick off the 2019 college football and NFL seasons, which, thank goodness, by the way, uh, training camp starts this week, Joe. I don't know if you knew that. I'm aware. I'm aware. We're already seeing uh, people yelling at each other for reacting to routes that were run by Kelvin Harmon and Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah, Deshaun, Deshaun took too long, but Kelvin's was beautiful, and it was the exact same amount of time. Have fun, people. It's football season. It's the best time of year. Enjoy it however you wish. They're, like, insufferable in different ways. Like, the offseason's insufferable because everybody's miserable. But then, like, the next three months are almost as insufferable because there's a bunch of confirmation bias and everybody thinks their team's going to be good. Um, I, I did a confirmation bias thing. What did you do? But I think I actually t- could take a dub. Tyler Boyd, Kyle. Joe Marino had a first-round grade on Tyler Boyd, who just signed a contract that pays him $10 million a season to play wide receiver in the NFL. You think that's, uh, in hindsight, you you look at Tyler Boyd and his development progression, you think he's a first-round guy? Yeah. I had him wide receiver five that year, I believe. Wide receiver one. No. Yeah. That was Michael Thomas's year. Right. I had Tyler Boyd wide receiver one. No. Well, then you can't dunk. I can dunk on him being a good player, and everyone was like, oh, no, he's not very explosive. He's got he to a play the slot. He sucked got 200 pounds. He didn't have a good 20-yard short shuttle. He can't play. Watch him at Pittsburgh and tell me he can't play. Watch him have 1,000 yards last year and tell me he can't play. Joe, you're going to have to do this, that voice, anytime you're quoting fans from now on. No, I love fans. That, I just defended fans of the pre-show very hard. You did. You did. You defended uh, the, one of the least intelligent takes that I've ever heard, but we're not going to get into that. Yeah. You didn't want the smoke. You wanted to move on. No, it has nothing to do with the smoke. It has to do with time management and being productive with our days and getting into a pissing contest about what that subject was about. The Bills is not a worthwhile discussion for us to have. You were the one that brought it up. I wasn't even – I was content never discussing it and moving on like I do everything It's because else. you didn't want the smoke. No, I did want it. That's why I gave it out. 
you're getting the first take. You ready? No, I want the first one. I want this one. This isn't even a take. This is just an old takes exposed. Yeah, and we need to deal with it. All right, yeah, let's do it. I'm giving it to you. Yep. Uh, Magic Johnson turned in by the sports nut from July 16th, 2014. Joe, it's about your Charlotte Bobcats, Hornets, Hornets. whatever they were at the time. Were they the Hornets at the time? Yeah. Yeah. When were they the Bobcats? Uh, I mean, that's been a while. Um, Really? Yes. Look, have your producer look that up while I read this tape. Michael Jordan is building a potential powerhouse in Charlotte, proving the naysayers wrong that he does know what he's doing. Magic Johnson, July 16th, 2014. Joke's on you, Magic. Because Michael Jordan does not know what he's doing. Failed coach after failed coach, failed general manager after failed general manager. You just let the best player in franchise history walk in Kemba Walker. Meanwhile, other teams are trading their superstars for five first-round picks. Could not be less interested in the Charlotte Hornets at this time in my life. And Irvin Johnson, you deserve to be exposed for this terrible take. The Hornets so, became the uh, the Bobcats switched over to the Hornets in t- 2014. So I was I. I was close. You were you were exactly very close. Yeah. It was the first season they went back to being the Hornets. And in the five years since, Joe, they've won 33, 48, 36, 36, and 39 games. And next year they're about to win 14. They yeah, made the playoffs once. Yeah. They won a playoff game against the Heat. I was at it. One playoff game in uh, 2015 or 2016? Yeah. Yep. All right. Dylan McKeague says Baltimore is taking Dylan Moses no matter what next year. I disagree with this because if Baltimore's picking in the top eight, hypothetically, I don't think Dylan Moses is top eight player in next year's draft class. So Could you're he... predicting Baltimore picking in the top eight? No, 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 no. I'm just saying hypothetically if they were to pick that high, so it's not a no matter what statement. Right. Well, I mean, it's a Baltimore pick though, right? An Alabama Oh, player. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no question. Yeah. Makes um, sense. I actually did that thing I sent you yesterday. We need to make that a podcast, by the way. I don't know. What, well, you sent me about 100 things yesterday. What was uh, the one? the schedule predictor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I must have done 10 iterations of just predicting all of the 256 NFL games last night in bed. Wow. And uh, the Ravens were pretty consistently for me around 9 and 7. They're, they're too unknown, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, they're a big wild card. <laughs> they could win 10 games. I wouldn't be surprised. They could win four. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Pretty consistently, though, uh, I found I do not respect the Detroit Lions this year. Interesting. Because Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated just wrote an article talking about how they have very little in terms of flaws. Very complete team. Oh, well, throw it in the bank. They're winning two games this year if Andy <laughs> Benoit said it. <laughs> UVA recruiting news turned in by Dennis SK unpopular opinion, ACC edition, any quarterback on Clemson's roster could win at least 11 games. Oh, Jesus Christ. Joe (laughs) Bryce Perkins is the best quarterback in the ACC and it's not close. This is classic fan goggles, right? Oh my God. Some Virginia said, enjoy football any way you want, even if it results in trash like this. No, it's fine. Yeah, if, if this uh, this Wahoo right <laughs> believes that 
Bryce Perkins is the best quarterback in the ACC and it's not close. Let him live his life. But it's not the correct take. Anyone in the world can tell you that Clemson's quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is the best quarterback in the country. What are we even doing here? It's interesting because Bryce Perkins is a is a fun player for you know, Virginia quarterback standards. And I'm nervous about that offense because they didn't have anything dynamic around him last year. And, the, and Zacchaeus is gone and Jordan Ellis is gone and Evan Butts is gone. And so, like, I don't know what about that he has Seymour? enough around him. But, is uh, Seymour there? Is Seymour still there? Uh, I don't know who that is. Seymour Butts. Oh, see, I knew you were doing something dumb there. <laughs> but this is yeah, this is classic. You know, like look at the source. It's UVA recruiting news. It's a fan. It's a fan blog ran by some Virginia fan. Of course, he's going to have a bad perspective. But that's terribly egregious. I'm mad online at that take. Uh, I'm going to move right on from it. Uh, Jay Leggett sixty five says two takes for you guys. Michigan State will have three top 50 defenders selected in 2020. Joe Bocci, Kenny Willekes, and Raekwon Williams. Do I have to get them both? Well, he has another one. Yeah, I know. It's coming right behind it. So do I get them both because you led with two takes, or do I get one and you get one? I get one, you get one. Okay. Um, Top 50 is rich. Um Joe Bocci, I like a lot. I would probably, at this point in time, covet Joe Bocci as a top 50 defender. Uh, but it would be like 40 to 50. I think Bocci's got a pretty strong chance because he's not a great athlete in space to slide into the third round. Uh, Willikis depends on how effective he is playing the point of attack. And Raekwon Williams is, is kind of a low-key, fun player uh, that I really enjoyed watching this year. So I think if you had said... Three top or three day two defenders in Bocce, Willikis, and Williams. I would have been on board. Top fifty, I think, is a little rich for this collective group. I'm anxious to see Bocce based on what you said there. I, I, he always pops whenever I watch Michigan State, but I've not yes. like truly watched him. And I'm looking for some good linebackers this year, man. Yeah, he he's got a nose for the ball in space. It's weird. He's got like a lot of ball production and coverage, but you can tell he's not a great athlete. He gets there by just being smart yeah um and he's got enough range that he can make plays outside the numbers on outside concepts but he's not like super dynamic going sideline to sideline is he josie jewel or is he like better than that he oh he's better than josie jewel okay all right yeah he's he's a really fun player and he's a stud in between the hashes an absolute stud uh, take number two with Tom Brady's contract up after this year, he will walk away from the game and Jarrett stud him will lead the Patriots <laughs> to the number one pick in 2021 and Trevor Lawrence. Isn't the remainder of team in new England too good for this to happen? Like, it depends just, on it. Do, if, does Bill Belichick walk away too? Yeah. I if Bill Belichick see... and Tom Brady both walk away. Do you think they still, they can compete at all for the number one pick? No, no. The remainder of team is too good. Like they'll be able to run the football and stuff. Like I, I, if you, this is basically asking, will the Patriots have the number one pick in 2021? No. And if they do, we revolt. Would it be worth it? Watching this team win the division, like 19 out of 20 years, how much would you enjoy watching them just suck ass for a full year and then get Trevor Lawrence? It depends. It's all coaching. You got to have the coaching piece. They'll they'll win 10 games automatically with Trevor Lawrence, but like 
They're not going to win championships if their coaching stinks. And Belichick's not playing or not coaching forever. I don't want him to get Trevor Lawrence. Don't get me wrong. But no, there's I a, don't a need part that. of me that wants to jump on this and be like, bet. Let's see how Boston melts down if that team goes two and fourteen. I I want the the Patriots after Brady to go through like what you and I have lived since Marino please, and Kelly retired. Please. That's what they deserve. Like maybe even worse than that. Like what the Browns have went through. Please. And then, you know what? All those Boston fans, they could still sit there and be like, you know what? We won six Super Bowls, and it won't even matter. Right. But, nah, dude. <laughs> I and then I'll it. turn around and say, okay, that's cool. Well, Tom Brady had a losing career record in Miami, so. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> Meanwhile, Tom Brady has the most wins in Buffalo since 2000. Uh, of, any any <laughs> of any quarterback. Of any quarterback. Including the ones so that played weird. for the Bills. All right, Kyle, I can't have this. I can't. It's so weird can't he's like 30 and three all time against the bills man like if i, I just yeah, uh, i think he's i think he's either seven and ten or seven and eleven in miami yeah so the odds are pretty strong and it's looking pretty strong that he'll at least be 500 at best he'll have to win three or four games i don't remember which to get to 500 to climb out of the hole yeah well so he's got to play three or four there. more years at a minimum and beat Miami in Miami every single year. And he's like one in four in his last five games. In Miami. You're always going to be able to say that Tom Brady had a losing record in Miami. Let's hope, let's hope it finishes that way because that'd be awesome. All right. Mitch has one for you here. Kyle, he says chase young is a better prospect than Nick Bosa. <clears throat> Depends on what you want to hang your hat on. I think chase young's more explosive than Nick Bosa. I think Nick Bosa at this juncture is more refined with his hands and his techniques, and that's still a soft spot for me. So I'd still, at this point, favor Bosa. But Chase Young's like top 10 caliber defender as far as like his, his tools. Dakota Miller. 2018 was the beginning of a Chiefs long reigning offensive fiefdom in the AFC, as will be accentuated in the 2019 NFL season. Hashtag new vernacular for Joe. Hashtag picking up the slack. So fiefdom is my word here? Fiefdom and accentuated. I know accentuated. That's one of my go-to yeah, words. F- yeah. Fiefdom. This goes back uh, to like medieval times. Yeah. So, of, of course, I looked up the definition of fiefdom while you said that, and it said fief. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so definition of fief is a feudal estate or something over which one has rights or exercises control. Okay, so their dominant offense, their 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 long term like really good offense. Yeah, they're gonna they're it's like they're gonna reign over the AFC as far as like offensive rankings. Yeah, I mean especially with Tyree Kill and they've got Miko Hardman and the best tight end of the game and Sammy Watkins and Patrick Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes and a veteran offensive line. I mean they're not that exciting in the backfield, but like who cares? Uh, yeah, I expect that to be yeah sure yeah I'm, I'm with you Dakota and thank you for teaching me the new word fiefdom. I have no idea how I'll be able to use that in the future, but I'll try. Um, Houndito, <laughs> what is this? Houndito Brigande says Ben-sized DK Metcalfs are just Ben's. And evidently that's something that Ben Solak said, and it's a tattletape. Sure. <laughs> what? How can I argue with that thought process? 
take from Jason McIntyre, turned in by Bulldog Banter. If I'm Dallas, I'd rather pay Andy Dalton 18 to 20 million or Marcus Mariota 20 to 22 than give Dak Prescott 30 million. I'll explain on the show tomorrow. Now, thankfully, uh, I still have the same IQ points I had before July 19th, so I didn't watch the show to find out what he meant by this. <laughs> But why don't you go ahead and tell me what you think of this take without hearing his explanation? Yeah. Um, Dak's better quarterback, right? Yes. And so that's what this comes down to. He's a much better quarterback than either of those two players. Uh, and does it count? I mean, it, it winds up being like another 10, 12 million against the cap. But for the quarterback, that's worth it. I, I think it's it's not necessarily pay Dak versus these options. It's pay Dak versus the unknowns of a rookie right and is Dallas is not like in position to pick high in the draft or like really make a run at a top tier prospect and so their best their best course forward is to continue to roll with Dak who's shown some really nice things um so I I probably wait and see what this year looks like and you know talk talk about it in the offseason but paying Dak 30 million compared to a lesser rate for either of those two quarterbacks is more appealing to me it's like you have to you have to compromise one player. It's Dak or Andy Dalton plus someone. Yeah, who's worth well, like see, eight yeah, million dollars. What do I do with the other? Yeah, does it matter though? Like, if ten more million dollars a year gets you Tyler Boyd, right? Does that change the dynamics? Yeah. Do you do you much? want Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd on your offense or Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott and whoever, whatever receiver you drafted in the third round, right? Like, right. Uh, I, I'll take Dak Prescott, right? I, I still would take the better quarterback. Yeah, always take the better. quarterback. Always. Yeah, it's what Steve Palazzolo from PFF draft good players. You know? Yeah, yeah. You draft, <laughs> draft good players, good. a lot of your problems will go away real quick. Right. <laughs> draft good players. Uh, Ruben M says, <laughs> "Low lip McGee." Yeah, I, I, that's what I was chuckling at. Low lip McGee one. Uh, the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs will field the fastest offense the league has ever seen, assuming the projected starters Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams. What does Damian Williams run? Is he fast? Uh, he's like high four fours. Is he? Really? Low four fives? I'm looking him up right now. Damian Williams. Yeah, you got to tell me what he is before I, I hit send uh, on this take. Uh, four four five. Wow. Oh, he's and he, 35 and a half inch vert, 121 broad. Yeah, he's pretty explosive for a dense kid. Yeah, he's 222 pounds, 5'11", 222. I didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven three seven three cone though, Kyle, 5 percentile. Ooh. I probably Ooh. can't play. Yikes. Um, sure, I'll hit yes on this, just because I don't have any science to back up anything else, and I know all of these guys are very fast. <laughs> They're really fast, right? <laughs> Got They're it. Really fast. Bo Gleason, Joe, I actually had somebody reach out after our Friday show of Draft Dudes when we talked to a versus Herbert, and they gave the Bengals as an example of an offense that they thought. So they this this person agreed with Bo Gleason, and he's like somebody that works somewhere. Okay. And like not down the street at the local uh, food line. Like he works somewhere. Take? No, I want your okay. take because I – okay. Justin Herbert will be taken higher than Tua because A, the Bengals will have the first pick, and B, Herbert is a better fit for Sean McVay slash Zach Taylor's offense. Uh, 
That's loaded. Just assume the Bengals have the first pick and then give me your response. I don't know, man. I know that uh, that's tough. I mean, I could see a strong case for either quarterback being who they would prefer. I'm guessing if everything was close, to me, it's the, the, the intangibles factor that seems to be in Tua's court that could give him the edge. I think they would want Tua for that reason. I think that they could justify either as being scheme fits, but subscribing to the enchant tangibles factor with Tua and go with Tua. Now, if you strip that away, football-wise, I mean, neither one's limited, right? Right. Herbert's got better physical tools. There's no question there. But if I, I there's, I think Tua has the mental side, which we talked, we, we talked about that at length last week. I think it would be Tua. What do you think? I want your take here too. Uh, I agree with this take that Herbert Herbert for Cincinnati would be a team that, that I could see. But what, what, why though? Because they're an offense that, that really likes to spread and push the ball. And Herbert, I think is a little bit, better as far as pushing the ball down the field and in the intermediate areas because of his upside and being able to slot throws with velocity. So it's a physical upside that you're subscribing yes. to. Yes. And that specifically that offense and where they like to attack the field. Okay. Uh, JB has one for you, Kyle. The Browns have the most annoying fan base coming into the season. Uh, I'm not going to answer this question because I don't want the smoke. Kyle thinks it's Bill's Mafia. Yeah, I don't think it's the Browns. Sorry. So disagree with that take from JP. Graham Small. Though it won't be represented statistically, playing Kansas City and Antonio Brown twice a year sucks. The LA Chargers will have the best defense in the NFL, especially entering the playoffs as Tillery gains his feet. There's a lot to like about what LA has on defense. I mean, you've got two really good outside edge rushers in Bosa and Ingram. And now you have Tillery in the middle. There's nowhere to hide if you're a quarterback in the pocket. And then, you know, they've got Justin Jones and Brandon McBain's a veteran player. Uh, I really like Thomas Davis added to the second level of this defense. Uh, hopefully Denzel Perriman can, can stay healthy and uh, give them that, that true mic. And then you sprinkle in like Kaiser White, you know, who was really flashing. Uh, you Nomosu, who's made some plays for them. And then the secondary is really, really good. A lot of versatile players. So, I mean, the makeup for this to be the number one defense in, in the NFL is is all there. Um, so, I don't want to be a coward and take the field, so I won't. Um, but, I, I mean, I think this can absolutely happen. I think it can absolutely happen. Uh, Trevor Joseph, what's up, dude? Uh, he says, Derek Brown will be this coming year's Cleveland Farrell a continuously productive playmaker who will get lost amongst the twaddle of the other prospects and get drafted higher than where most people expect it. And of course, hashtag new vocabulary for Joe. Uh, what's twaddle mean, Joe? You know, um, the I hear you typing. I hear you typing. You know, I don't know the word. You didn't know it either. 
Yes, I did. Did you know fiefdom? Yes, because I took like 11th grade history class. I took 11th grade history class, but I spent my entire time uh, thinking about other things besides history class. Like uh, foosball? Foosball. Foosball? Like that's football from the water boy? Yeah, foosball? exactly. That's foosball? all I care about. Foosball the devil. It's playing football, man. Uh, okay, so twaddle means a trivial or foolish speech or writing nonsense. So like the the BS narrative. Yeah, all right. I like it. I can. This is a usable word. I I can't imagine so because Derek Brown's like really Farrell kind of lost sh- some of his polish and shine because he was perceived to be non-explosive. Derek Brown's very non-explosive or very explosive, right. very disruptive. Plays the interior position. He's going to continue to get a chance to shine this year. Uh, I disagree with this take. I think Derek Brown will can remain hot and then he'll get drafted high. And I don't think it'll surprise people. Is there are there Derek Brown haters out there? I haven't seen them. If they are, they can come at me. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he was one of the funnest watches I've had this summer, and he's like built like Chris Jones. Yeah. Now, did you watch the Bama game? Yeah, for of course. Him? Yeah, for him. Yeah. Alex Leatherwood stand out to you at all, or what? Uh, see, you brought his name up the other day, and I did. I wasn't thinking about him. But I, go, I mean, go go watch him. Yeah, I'll have to go watch him. Charlie Gross, the only acceptable use for ketchup is dipping, dipping or putting it on French fries. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, the only use for ketchup is dipping French fries or tater tots, and not even all French fries re- require ketchup. What what's you your favorite? Use? What's your favorite style for French fries? By the way, I like crispier the better. Um, I don't know, just. What as you, long as they're not flimsy and potatoey, like super potatoey. Do you like like salt and vinegar? Do you like ketchup? Like, do you like Old Bay? I like. How do you nothing. like your fries? I like nothing on them. Uh, but if they're super potatoey, I want ketchup. What's your take here? I don't put ketchup on like hot dogs or hamburgers or like what, what do people put ketchup on? I don't put it on anything besides potatoey French fries. Uh, yeah. You put I'll it like put on, it on a the, hot dog. If I do, I putting something else on there too. If I'm putting ketchup on a hot dog, I need hot dog and or I need hot dog, ketchup and mustard. What about on a hamburger? Do you put a ketchup on a hamburger? No, I don't either. No, I don't. You put on anything else? Like people put ketchup on really weird things. No, maybe maybe eggs if they're shitty eggs, like hotel eggs. <laughs> uh, I'll put we've a had a lot of hotel eggs together, haven't we? Oh yes, we have. <laughs> the continental breakfasts we've shared together. Oh God, yeah. Take from uh, Mantis Toboggan MD. What's up, Chris dude? Lindstrom will be the highest rated rookie lineman. In pro football focus in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? Um, because he's playing next to Caleb McGarry. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. Damn it. Uh, but he's so good. How about uh, Dalton Reisner? Is he going to start? I hope he does. Uh, uh, Eric McCoy really pops 
for the Saints. Oh, yeah. He's, going call too. he's got a chance to start and be around good players. Yeah. I'll say fake news. Eric McCoy is going to be the hard, highest graded rookie offensive lineman. A couple more here. Blake Dabish says, whoa, how do I do this? It's Cameron Spencer's tape. Oh, okay. Um, so it's okay. It's Cameron Spencer. Even though cornerbacks are generally considered more valuable than safeties, LSU safety Grant Delpit will end up being the most valuable and productive defensive back from the 2020 class. That's is loaded because there are some freaking good corners. Yes. He's a unique difference maker, can play all over the field. Instincts are through the roof. I think it frees him up to impact the game in more ways because he does play safety and because he's more versatile. Did you have any warts with Delpit's film? Uh, I threw a couple things down just so I didn't have nothing in the weaknesses box. Uh, I thought maybe, I was going to say maybe tackling in the hole every once in a while. He kind of got big boyed from time to time. But other than that, no, not really. Yeah, that was my big thing. It's just like be a little bit more consistent with your finishing. All right. Jelani Tavai will have a higher pro football focus grade than one or both of the Devons in 2019. He is playing behind a top five defensive line, has great versatility, and is Matt Patricia's expert and has Matt Patricia's expert defensive mind. He will have a tremendous year. So the the measuring stick here is is PFF grade and PFF is is it's challenging, I think, for a lot of linebackers, especially guys like White and Bush that are going to be trusted a lot in space. And, you know, like they hammered Tremaine Edmonds a lot for like coverage and just like certain situations where in, you know, Sean McDermott's cover three system, there's so much on the play to the middle linebacker and they give up completions. And so I think that the roles that the Devons will be in will lead to some low lights. It just will happen. Whereas you're going to have Tavai, who's going to be used in very specific roles. Think about like Juwan Bentley for uh, for the Patriots last year, who he got injured, but he came out the first you know few weeks of the season grading very highly for pro football focus because he was asked to do very specific things. And I envision a similar type of role here for Tavai as a rookie, just kind of using a niche capacity that isn't going to lend itself to very many low lights, which will keep his grade up. So I don't think he'll be a better player than either one of those two. But because of the scheme fit and how he'll be used and how PFF grades, I think he will have a better PFF score than at least one of the Devons. But, I mean, the snap totals and those types of things won't be very similar at all. Uh, Last one here, Kyle. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald, head coach Northwestern, has some theories on why college football attendance is down specifically – for the Northwestern Wildcats. I'll let you elaborate. So Pat Fitzgerald got on his soapbox at a press conference and talked about attendance. He was asked about why attendance is down for college football game. And Pat Fitzgerald did like the most quintessential get off my lawn rant. You'll ever hear talking about kids these days have their noses buried in their phones. And back in my day, 
people used to go and then make eye contact with people and engage and talk and have conversations. And me and my wife were out to dinner and I'm disgusted looking across the room, seeing all these young people out on dates. They can't even be bothered to talk to anybody because they just would rather take pictures and show off and then try and brag about how impressive their life is and how great their life is. But they go home and they're depressed all the time and just shut up, Pat. Nobody goes to Northwestern football games because you play boring football because you can't keep up with the big boys in the Big Ten. You have to play a special brand of football that involves not turning the football over, playing tough, hard-nosed defense, and playing good special teams just to win the shitty side of the Big Ten. So you can go get your dicks kicked in by Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Who's going to pay $50 a ticket to go watch Northwestern play? And then play, pay $40 to $50 for parking on top of that? In a sports town that's got the Chicago Bears, who were 12-4, and 13-3, and three, or whatever they were last year, the Chicago Blackhawks, who are consistently one of the more fun, good teams in hockey, the Chicago Cubs, who have been a very good football team over the course of the, or baseball team over the past five years. They won a World Series. The Chicago Bulls, who have legacy on their side, they have not been overly competitive as of late. But Joe, we talked about this together. Northwestern's probably like fifth or sixth on the pecking order for Chicago sports. Right. And you'd have to think like with all the other major college football around it, that people in Chicago aren't just inherently Northwestern fans. They probably like Notre Dame or Michigan or Ohio State or what Michigan State, whatever's somewhat within proximity. So who's sitting down on a Thursday night with dinner for their wife, making eye contact with him and saying, you know what, honey? We should definitely go watch Northwestern play Illinois on Saturday at 12 o'clock. Wouldn't that be a fun way to spend our Saturday? I mean, I, I would like that, but. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like, what is what does this do for the fan base, right? Obviously, Pat Fitzgerald wanted to say something to to sort of call out his fan base. But, you know, if you're going to do that, you need to energize them in some way. I don't think this was the way to do it. Dave, Dave Doran. This is grumpy old man st- status. That's what this is. Well, Dave Doran's he's he's often talked about how at Carter-Finley Stadium, where NC State plays, that, you know, third quarter attendance really declines <clears throat> in the stadium. And he always – but he was funny about it. He's like, I know what's going on. The students are going to get beer. They're going to their cars, and they're getting liquored up. And then, you know, by the time, you know, the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, they're back in the stadium. And so Dave Doran's all excited because NC State's going to sell alcohol this year. And so the students don't have to go back to their car to get the booze that they're looking for. And it was funny, right? And that's energizing to the fan base. This is just calling out people, and that's stupid. Here's here's new vocabulary for Joe. Pat Fitzgerald, in this case, is a curmudgeon. I've heard that word mostly because um, like uh, Ben Solak uses it a lot. So what does it mean? Um, You know, I don't know. It's something about just what is it being like uh, uh, just like a – as a Scrooge kind of? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Get off my lawn type of guy, you know? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And Pat Fitzgerald, like I like Pat Fitzgerald as a coach in general. He seems like he's a great guy. 
But this take for me was just like, cue the eye roll. You know, it's, uh, millennials and their avocado toast, they're, they're killing the housing market because they can't afford mortgages because they spend it all on the wrong shit. <laughs> well, who made us that way? The generation before us, you guys, you raised us this way. You made wow. the economy what it is. It's just a different worldview, right? Like just people our age have a different perspective on things like, and there's societal norms that are just norms, but they're not necessarily good. And this, our generation of people have actually taken the time to, to think, objectively think and use critical thinking about it. Does it really make sense for me to do X, Y, and Z just because it's always been the case? So different industries are thriving and not thriving because of the consequences of those decisions. And to put and to put an entire generation of people in a box. Right. Joe, what do you, what have you done on Saturdays over the course of the past four years of your life? Oh, that's right. You've been traveling to college football games. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Just like me. I know Jordan Reed's all fired up to do some football games this year. Imagine. Millennials, man. They're lazy millennials. They ruin everything. They're the worst. What are we doing tomorrow for draft dudes? Have we decided? Oh, wait, it's it's Jacoby Brissett Day. Yeah. I don't know what yes. he's giving us. Yes. Can <laughs> we we gotta be check part of it, right? Yeah. We gotta check. Wednesdays I, with Jacoby. Wednesdays with Jacoby. That's the new name of the Wednesday show. Uh, I know for a fact he's put out at least three tweets. Good. We'll at least have something to talk about. Yeah, we'll have some content. Um, man, he has not tweeted. He, he's given us three tweets. Okay, so we got that. We got some other stuff, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we got some. This is good. We'll be just fine. So come back and and take the journey with us as we analyze and break down the philosophy behind Jacoby Brissett's tweets. Because, again... There are some thought-provoking tweets involved here, so you're not going to want to miss it. Come back and see us again tomorrow. Kyle Crab signing off with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.